What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp here for the Fightful.com Shane Helms podcast. I think this airs December 20th. Shane, you had a busy week last week. Yeah, that's one way of putting it. <laughs> we did, uh, if the calculations are correct, we did 81 segments of impact, nine hours of pay-per-view, uh, somewhere between eight to 12 matches for explosion. And that, uh, that was in a nine-day period. That's brutal, but, yeah. man. That's brutal. It's, it's brutal, but it's awesome, man. It's, a, it's you know, a very strange and unique way to film television, something that no other company does. But, um, you know, I mean, there are reasons for them doing it that way, shooting out a sequence. Uh, that's to, like, allow some of the talents uh, a little bit of time off when they can and to take advantage of some of the talents that are there only for a couple of days that might not can be there for the whole uh, nine-day loop. So, there, you know, there are reasons why they do it. But, you know, it's tough, but... You know, anything easy, those stories you never talk about. When things are perfect and they go right, you never remember that shit. But, you know, when things are tough and they still turn out good, that's what you remember. I think that's maybe a topic we should put up on the poll, unless some dork on Twitter gives us heat over it. Who's going to give us heat? Some Uh, some uh, dork uh, you went off on. That was funny. What did I go off on him about? He said that apparently that we didn't invent polls. Because Pritchard well, does it. Pritchard, did, did we, Pritchard did we say really, that we did? Pritchard has a really good show, and he does polls, and apparently they're the first people to do polls ever. I, don't know. I, I think all podcasts have done a yeah. poll at some point. <laughs> all radio shows. Uh, yeah, yeah so. it's, it's an easy way to get people to watch the show to make sure you talk about what they want to talk about. Um, I think that's definitely one that we should put on there. The one that got voted in this week, Backstage Fight. So, you, so we get to hear about... Chris Jericho hitting you with a code breaker at the club. We get to hear about Buff Bagwell beating your ass. Wait, you're okay. going to have to tell me about this. About the time Dixie Carter, didn't happen, so. about the time Dixie Carter pimp slapped you backstage. And there are a few of these you were front row for, Shane. Uh, yeah, things happen, you know. Uh, <laughs> it's a very, uh, you know, macho sport, tempers flare out there. You know, it's a physical thing, you know. Is it any more than happens in any other sport? I doubt it very seriously, but um, boys will be boys. Boys will be boys, and girls will be girls. You know, some of the, some of these descriptions are courtesy of Armpit Dash Wrestling, and to be quite honest, guys, some of these are utter horseshit. And well, let me be upfront now. If it's about any of my friends, I'm not going to say anything to make my friends look bad. Sure. Uh, so that's that's not what this podcast is about. It's not what I signed of up course. for. So. I try to keep things positive, so if it starts to spin into a negative, we just have to change this topic and damn a pole. Hey, speaking of positive, Positively Page, DDP has talked positive. about this one before. He's talked about this one before. Uh, he's told me about it personally. Him and Scott Steiner. Kimberly was backstage. She found a gimmick, as you would say, in the business. Blamed it on Tammy Sitch. Uh, Tammy Sitch took a piss test right there on the spot and passed it. <coughs> and apparently, while all this is going down, Scott Steiner chases Kimberly out of the damn building. Uh, some stuff happens. Scott Steiner cuts a promo on DDP. DDP wasn't happy about it. He had to stand up for his woman. And yeah. some stuff went down. I don't remember anything about him chasing Kimberly out of the building. That's you know, uh, not saying it didn't happen, but I don't remember hear, even hearing anything about that. But Scott would go out on the microphone and just go off. I mean, but that's Scott. You know, I think, you know, it was a very Wild West booking uh, back in back in WCW days and uh, not a lot of control from any authority figure at all. And Scott would be one of those guys that's going to just be hard to control anyway. And uh, I'm not sure where all the heat came from or what started doing anything, but he did go out there and say, you know, some inflammatory remarks, whatever. And DDP was in the locker room. And he just stood up and walked out, you know, yeah. and headed down to, uh, you know, what we call the gorilla position. DDP had, told me, DDP had told me that he managed to get Scott Steiner in a front face lock, but then he let go and said that he felt like a dumbass when he let go. Because he was like, that was my only chance. <laughs> yeah. I think it was pretty short. You know, everybody, you know, kind of got him apart and, uh, and then, um, like I had been riding, I think, with DDP that loop. But for some reason that night, I was going to have to switch and ride with somebody else. And uh, 
I remember I buzzed Paige and I, just to see if he was okay. And he answered the phone. He goes, I survived Godzilla. <laughs> but like, yeah, that's, Perry, that's a bold move. Like, if you're going to go fight, fight Scott Steiner now, you got to go into that fight knowing there's a good chance you're going to get your ass whooped. But like a DDP, you know, his, uh, his wife at the time had, you know, uh, Scott had, I, I guess, and so did his wife. And he felt like he had to do something no matter what. So that's a special kind of bravery. Now, it's, it's easy to go fight a fight you know you're going to win. But oh, yeah. when, when you go to fight somebody that there's a damn good chance you're going to lose, now that, you know, so I had to take my hat off to him for there. And, uh, you know, I guess he did survive Godzilla. That, that was a good way to put it. DDP has said that, that Scott Steiner landed a double leg takedown, kind of bear hugged and threw him, uh, and that that Scott put a pretty good hurting on him for a little bit. But hey, he survived. He lived to fight another day, and he's doing all right for himself these days. Yeah, you know, I mean, the, this is one. That's one of those deals with both my friends. I don't know if they've ever made up. You know, I haven't. I don't even really ask them about it or anything like that. But uh, you know, I'm buddies with both of them. Of course, I'm a lot closer to DDP. But uh, like I said, I mean, he survived Godzilla. That's the only way to uh, to sum up that whole shenanigans. DDP, one of the, the great guys in the business. I, I love always. He's just one of those people. Like, I always talk to him. I talk to you. I talk to guys like even Danny Cage. I always learn something. Like, I could be talking about anything, and I manage to learn something about wrestling when I, when I talk to those people. Uh, also, there was – a video of Scott Steiner destroying a Shoney's a few years ago. That was awesome. Did you ever see that? Yeah. No. <laughs> oh, God. Because his brother he owns, the, he owns the Shoney's now. Yeah, I think he or his brother opened one up, and they tore one down, I guess, to rebuild it maybe. I don't know. But it was for a commercial, and it was great. It oh, was okay. awesome. I thought you meant he was really winning there and lost his mind. No, I now. wish. That would have been better. Next up on the – well – I can address this one too. Uh, ICP told this story. I guess your boy, Evan Courageous, was back. Your boy. He was backstage. He went up to shake Goldberg's hand. And Goldberg, I guess, was fondling around with his balls, as sometimes I guess guys do when they're just sitting around in their sweatpants. And Goldberg reached out his hand to shake it. And Evan's like, whoa. Thanks, but no thanks, buddy. And the way that the insane clown posse tells the story is that Goldberg just picked him up by the throat and kind of chucked him. Did Evan ever tell you anything about this? Yeah, he mentioned that to me. I want to say that that was the time I was in the company, but I just hadn't made it to the building yet or something uh, because I was there when ICP was there. Um, and I remember, I mean, it was kind of like that. Evan said something, you know, but Evan wasn't being – Evan was just being funny, like, hey, man, you know, can't shake my hand when you just scratch the balls, you know? I mean, nothing like that should have been offensive, but – uh. You know, <laughs> Bill Bill didn't have the longest of tempers, if you uh, if you understand what I'm saying. So he, uh, yeah, apparently that's just what I heard that too. He just grabbed him and kind of pushed him down, choked him a little, choked him by the neck or something like that. Not not that anybody threw punches or anything, but um, you know, I mean, Bill was a great big guy doing that to somebody oh, yeah. that's 175 pounds, 180 pounds, you know, so. Uh, but then again, if he thought that uh, Evan was disrespecting him, you know, um, sometimes you take what you get when it comes to being disrespectful. But I don't think Evan was meaning to be disrespectful. I think it was just a, uh, you know, something got lost in translation. And and as I sure. said earlier, he wasn't known for his diplomacy. I want to know your feelings on the handshake deal because the handshake deal is a recurring theme in these backstage fights. Like, it seems like that fuels a lot of stuff. What is your policy with the the handshake backstage whenever you're arriving, leaving, whatever it may be? It was uh, it was never a problem for me, you know, because uh, you know I go up and say hey to everybody anyway. You know, I was never one of these guys that I'm not going to go say hey to people, and I've already introduced myself, so you know I'm gonna go sit over here in a fucking corner or something like that. So, you know, and I wanted to meet the top guys and I wanted to talk to them. So for me, that was never an issue, you know. And and once it was uh, explained to me, even the first time that there's a kind of a respect thing involved, I was like, okay, cool. You know, it's not that big of a damn effort to go shape somebody's hand. So, uh, 
<laughs> I mean, so the guys that have a problem with it, it's always some kind of weird, you know, uh, passive aggressive ego thing on their part. Like, you know, I'm too good to shake hands or, you know, I mean, maybe they're just they are insecure. But, you know, you got to suck that shit up. You know, I mean, if you're going to fit into a locker room and you're going to be working with a lot of guys who, you know, at some point, uh, you know, your life could be in their hands. And even if it's production people, I man, I talk to everybody. You know, I, I talk to the camera crews, the sound guys. And I want to know who everybody is. So, you know, do I think you got to do it every single day? No. You know, but the beginning of the loop, you know, just go up, say hey to everybody. And at the end of the loop, you know, you go say bye to everybody. Um, say say a no Josh Barnett shows up and he's not shaking hands. What happens there? Does he get heat? This is the name I'm throwing out. He, I, I have no reason to believe that he didn't. It's just a name I threw out. Or, and or, or sometimes do people come in and do you see them seeking out people to make sure that they've shaken hands so they don't get heat? Um, I mean, I definitely seen that people seeking seeking out people to shake hands, but I think like uh, I've always been a little open minded when it comes to like new people in the business that might not know these rules. So I don't hold steadfast to that. You know, like if uh, somebody brand new to the business is coming in and if they don't walk around and do it. And uh, shake everybody's hand. It's not nothing that they're going to get heat with me about. But I am going to wonder why are they, you know, not trying to meet the people they're going to be working with. You know, do they have any real interest in being there? You know, I mean, it kind of says something about the person, you know. Um, but you won't get heat from me for it. But, you know, if, if you got somebody and they're week after week after week, they just kind of hang and stay to themselves. You know, people like that uh, don't really fit in a locker room environment. And you're going to want to fix that problem so that maybe you can help them out. And I've definitely went to people and and, and I've told them, you know, hey, man, you might want to you might want to say hey to some people around here, you know, and, and uh, get to know people. But especially when you're on the road and you're traveling with people like, you know, you don't want to be around people you don't like. Nobody does. So it's just sort of that, you know. And I mean, I find it odd that somebody would want to be in a locker room and not know anybody. You know what I mean? So. I mean, if I got my gear laying around, you get naked in front of these people. Like, I would at least want to know who that is, you know. I mean, I don't necessarily go try to shake hands when the package is hanging out. But, you know, <laughs> you want at least some comfort, you know, and some familiarity with the people that you're hanging around with. Next up on the – I'm doing these chronologically. You might know something right. about this. There's a guy named Buff Bagwell, Shane. Mm-hmm. And I – the people that I've talked to said that this had bigger ramifications on the locker room than most people realize. They say that it maybe bridged a gap between WCW and WWF guys. And this comes straight from wrestlers that were in the locker room at the time. Apparently, this endeared you to some of the WWF guys and endeared some of the other WCW guys to some of the WWF guys. Tell me what happened. Why are you freezing water bottles, Shane? Well, you got two versions of that story. You got Buff's version, who nobody will back up, and then yeah. you got mine, which will be backed up by twenty other people that were there and saw it happen. I can confirm that. Yes, um, that, that is pretty much what and happened. I've made, I've made, you know, we've kind of made peace since then, and I still, he'll still go out and tell his weird version of it. But I, I think that's kind of one of those things where he's told it to himself so much he believes it, like he really don't think he's lying. He just believes that's what happened. But mm-hmm. uh, why did ha- what had happened was. <laughs> That um, we were at the Tracks Training Center, WWE, and they brought the WCW guys up to get used to the ring. But the ring's bigger. They used real ropes as opposed to cable. And so we just, you know, come up and uh, for about a week and we're all going to get adjusted to it. So all of their training, you know, stuff like that. And uh, this particular day, I'd actually hurt my shoulder working out with Mike Awesome. Just going over some spots with Mike Awesome. And um. And so we had this break, and I was sitting in the ring with on my ass with my back to the ropes. Not in a corner, but kind of in the middle of the ropes, you know, with my back to the corner. And everybody's just sitting there jibber-jabbering. And I had not frozen at all because who – what the fuck do you just magically find a frozen water bottle? But there was these little 10-ounce bottles of water that were in a refrigerator in a little snack room. And so I went and got it. It was the coldest thing I could find. Again – just a water bottle, not this frozen shit, which everybody says, which I guess you walk around with frozen water bottles. Who the fuck knows? So anyway, I'm sitting down and I'm just kind of like having it on my shoulder because I'm, I got this concern that this little shoulder injury is going to be a problem. And it did present a problem for a while. But like I said, I, I'm concerned, you know, I hadn't even made WWE TV yet, WWF at the time. 
And so anyway, as it happens with the boys, everybody starts talking shit about everybody. Now, I ain't saying nothing. I'm just sitting there, and for whatever reason, Buff decides that I'm the one to talk shit to. Now, anybody that knows me knows I got the gift of gab. And I can talk shit like nobody's business. And so he was just trying to, you know, insult me, but I was firing back, and I was just winning hands down. And he was getting embarrassed. And finally, you know, he just got upset and came, and he's standing on the floor behind me. Yeah. You know, he's kind of off to the side. And so he came and smacked me like from behind in the ear. Now, his version of events was that he somehow smacked me right in the face, which would have been impossible. He was on the floor, came and hit me from behind in the ear. And I just kind of looked at him and I chunked that bottle at him, little plastic bottle, just kind of to, uh, to distract him. And then yeah. I was coming out and we we're going to line him up. Because I'm just, you know, I've, ne- I've always said when it comes to being bullied, like, I would fight back. Like, I might not win. I don't give a shit if I take an L. But if you fuck with me, I'm going to fight back. That's just how it's going to happen, especially if you lay hands on me. And, two, I was young at the time. I'm old man now. Old man shame. I was like, just fuck it. Now, if you hit me, I'll probably try to fight you back. But uh, So, anyway, I jump out, and you could just see. I mean, he's doing the whole Ric Flair thing, like, no, 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 that bullshit, and kind of skippering backwards. And, <clears throat> you know, before we really get into the meat of anything else, you know, you can see blood, you know, shooting out of his damn head. Did, did that surprise so you that, that, that busted it open? Yeah, yeah. Like, like I say, I, I mean, no matter what I had in my hand, I would have threw it at him just to get out and get on even ground with him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I know people would ask me before, like, why would you throw something? Listen, when, I, when we're fighting, ain't no damn rule book. Much less if you outweigh me by 50 fucking pounds, you know I'm hurt, and you're going to hit me from behind, and then, bitch, because I threw something? Man, fuck you. Do you think that, like, did the That's cat would... catch him? Did What part of it caught him, or did you even pay attention? Don't care. <laughs> Slip on a banana I know, like, for all you care, right? But I know everybody swore to secrecy because with the WCW guys, we knew this was going to make us look bad. Now, I immediately, I'm one of those people, too, that I get in a fight, immediately I regret it. You know, I think that if you're a mature person, you know, you immediately regret that shit. Like, even if it's warranted at times, you just kind of hate that the whole situation happened. And so immediately I was talking to him about things like, man, you know, fuck, I hate this, that sort of shit happened. But I was still kind of hot. And they took his ass to the hospital. And um, uh, they took me to lunch and paid for it. Make of that what you will. And, uh, but the boys swore to secrecy. And I can't say who they was. It wasn't WWE. It was just the boys. And um. And so anyway, the WCW guys, we knew that this was going to make us look bad. We ain't even made it to TV yet. Now we're fighting amongst ourselves. So we were kind of worried about the perception. So we all swore to secrecy. And that never works because the boys always talk. They always talk. But this was the one time that it worked until I get a talking from Johnny Ace. So matter how show, like the next week, you know, I, I was still booked on everything. So nothing really happened to me. And I'm over there just kind of warming up, you know, shadow boxing or whatever. And Johnny H just comes and stands right beside me. He's like right here looking in the same direction I am. And then he goes, so, Sugar Shane. And he turns right to me like this close. What happened to Bagwell? And I'm like, <laughs> and so I know he knows. You know? I was like, man, fuck that shit, you know. Kind of kind of told him what happened. Apparently his, his mom had called the office and, uh, and ratted the whole situation out. <laughs> And um, oh no, you're cooked. You're cooked from that point. Well, I knew the way Johnny asked me that he knew, and I wasn't going to lie about it, you know. And I, I just well, I mean, told him I mean, exactly why. Bagwell's cooked. It, that has to look bad from a locker room standpoint. If your mom's calling, um, so <laughs> but that was kind of insane. She was like his slash agent or some shit. I don't know what was going yeah. on with that. But um, anyway, so I know I get the TV and uh, uh, somehow Sugar Shane's bags have been moved from the WCW side to the WWF side. And so I was like, yes! Because <laughs> it was kind of segregated at the time, man. It was WCW on one side, WWF on you the other. You broke barriers, Shane. Broke barriers, man. And, uh, you know, there was, uh, he was just very disliked and, you know, his own worst enemy. Um, I know down in Atlanta, I had to have the meeting with JR and JR asked me what happened and I told him and, and, and just shooting straight with him. And I told him, you know, I said, I want to be here. There's nothing more I want in this world than to wrestle for this company, you know? And I said, but I will never let nobody hit me. Like that shit just not going to happen. And JR was cool with that. And I'm pretty sure JR will verify that. And, uh, 
And that was kind of it. And I think Bagwell got fired uh, that day. It was, that was like a week or something later. Uh, he either got fired that day or the next week. And well, it, I mean, I mean, it sucks, man, because he was tailor-made for WWF. Like, he had to look. You know, he could talk. He had charisma. Uh, so he could have done really well for himself there. But, you know, just being a different person. Do you think huh? that endeared you to the front office? Because JR and I would imagine Johnny Ace and Vince are kind of old-school guys. And they they probably expect that out of their bigger guys. I mean, it seemed like they were taking a gamble. I mean, they were going with smaller guys like you wrestling the bigger guys and do you think that maybe helped you out a little bit in their eyes saying he's not afraid to, to go at it with the bigger guy yeah i mean it, it probably did you know that old school mentality exists but it, it's also just about being a man and a human being you know um like i said uh I, i've kind of always been like that i was a small kid but when the bullies would come at me i would come back and you know uh, and eventually they just leave you the fuck alone not everybody can take up for themselves you know i understand that but you know, I, I didn't come from the Don't Be a Bully program. I came from the Don't Be a Bitch program. And if you hit me, I'm going to fucking punch you in your mouth. And then we'll see what happens. And like I said, I don't want to sound tough. Like, I can't take an L because I have. But you're going to have to earn it. And I'm not going to give it to you for free. And so it was what it was. But, you know, I think the boys end up, you know, they laugh about that shit. I don't think that uh, it helped me get a push or anything like that. But, you know, I mean, it let guys know, like, hey, you know, you might not want to fuck with that one. Speaking of the, the the don't be a bitch mentality, Chris Jericho seems to subscribe to that same the same theory. Yeah, you were front row for Goldberg v Jericho. What went down there? It was there was a skirmish. Was a skirmish going <laughs> Yeah. The Jericho's Canadian. I mean, that's why we got along so much. You know, uh, we were and and probably why we had our little one on one at one time. And, uh, but, you know, he just, uh, had a problem with Bill, went to address it, you know, uh, push come to shove, you know, there was a takedown, a front face lock, you know, all this kind of shit. And he said um, he learned it from a magazine Funaki had brought that day. He learned what the face lock? Yeah. The face lock choke. (laughs) Yeah. Could, could, could have been, maybe, maybe that's what inspired him to (laughs) go, go after it. But, you know, I mean, too, most, most of these, you know, uh, most of the backstage skirmishes I got, the the action was very underwhelming. You know, it's uh, so you can say so and so might have won it, but you know, sure. it's, uh, it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a good MMA fight. It wasn't like that ass whooping that BJP into this past weekend. Yes, Jericho says that he got him in a front face lock and people broke it up, and that he knew that he needed to like stop there. And he says yeah. Goldberg will never get a rematch, and if he tries, I'm going to run away. I will always be one to know against Goldberg. Now, here's here's what uh, apparently Jericho had said. I don't care if you beat me up every night. I'll still fight you because uh, things aren't going to go this way. If you're smart, you'll like me. Because we ever have a match, I can make you look like a million bucks, or I can make you look like shit, and you'll never know the difference. Yeah. I mean, and that, you want to talk about a real cerebral assassin right there? Yeah. That's some yeah. Dominic Cruz level trash talk. Yeah, and it's, and that's absolutely correct. You know. Uh, like I said, Bill had a short fuse, and you know I think he had a lot of different people in his ear at WCW, and uh, that was a tough spot for him to be in. He was mature as, as a human being, as a man, but not very mature in, in the business and understanding all the uh, different political games that people play. So he, you know, uh, I think I think that was part of it too. But uh, you know, Bill for overall, you know, uh, I know we mentioned him being in two skirmishes, but uh, I think Bill overall is still a good guy. Chris is one of my best sure. friends, so. Hey, good people get into fights all the time. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Now, here's what I really want to know. And you were there. <laughs> there were rumors that Jericho said, stop it. You're being a goof. And Goldberg replied with, your mother's a goof. <laughs> yes. And Booker, is, T says, is... and Booker T says, did you just say his mother was a goof? <laughs> That's the worst insult I've heard in my life. Yeah, it was it was something very very much along those lines. So yeah, yeah, we all we all kind of cracked about that. So did that lighten the mood, or did that make things worse? It lightened the mood for us. Yeah, <laughs> for, for those in attendance, the millions not watching at home. Hey, you know maybe scripting promos isn't that bad. <laughs> scripting promos helps a lot of people. Yeah, you know, there's some people that don't need it, but some people that do. 
Also, apparently, I think this may have been on Jericho's podcast, Vince may have not been there and said, sent a text and said, what happened at Raw? And when Jericho replied and told him, Vince wrote back, I can't believe you beat up Goldberg. You really need to text me stuff like that. Oh, man. <laughs> i tell you something with the Bagwell thing. Uh, apparently, some, when somebody told Vince what happened to Bagwell, he goes, who's Sugar Shane? <laughs> <laughs> His name is Shane? We got to change that. Yeah, so. See, if you wouldn't have gotten that fight, you may have been Shane forever. He just wouldn't have noticed. No, Shane wasn't going to happen. I can promise you that. What did you hear about Flair smacking the piss out of Bischoff in a locked room in 2003? Um, I heard that uh, – <laughs> I want to say that Arn was there and, like, they just kind of locked the door and kind of were going to hash it out one way or the other. But uh, I don't remember hearing any uh, other details on on what was going on, so – I'm going to tell yeah, you, Arn's got that old school mentality, man. I, I, I'd rather have Arn on my side than on the other side. I well, I mean, the man got stabbed like a dozen times with scissors and was – he came back and wrestled and not a man, that guy. That's, was, that's double he, tough. He, Arn had a full beard when he was born. <laughs> like, he, is, he has been full grown ever since he was in, like, kindergarten, you know. So, uh, I think he's one of those old souls and he don't take no bullshit, so – uh, yeah, I don't know a lot of details about that. When I heard there was some kind of skirmish back and forth, but I couldn't tell you exactly what happened. Arn Anderson. I, I remember thinking that if Arn had locked the door, I was like, man, damn. I wonder if they both would have whooped his ass. But When when I was like uh, 5 to 10, Arn Anderson made me respect my elders because he looked like every dude I would see at the supermarket. And I was just like, you never know who's going to hit you with a spine buster if you back talk him. Because Arn's got right. the bald spot and the weird glasses and the big beard and – He's not in the greatest shape. You just don't know. You just and he's always know. he's always looked like that. Like even you go yeah. back to his younger days when he first became, you know, Arn Anderson. Man, he looked full grown. And his ass was like twenty five. Yeah. <laughs> he was, you know, oh yeah, I think he started, you know, losing losing that hair at about nineteen or something. And he had, like I said, he had that full beard at birth. So, what did you hear about the Lesnar Angle backstage wrestling match? That's one of those where. If I were there, I'd be like, "Damn, wish I was on SmackDown right now." wasn't wasn't there for that. Never really uh, heard heard a lot about it, other than, you know, I mean, despite despite the size difference, that you know, Angle's a bad dude, man. You know, yeah. To be able to keep Lesnar at bay, you got you got to be pretty damn good. But um, I don't think that was heated or anything. Not like seriously no, heated. competitive. Friendly. I'm sure, but yeah, not heated. Yeah, maybe I should say competitive, not friendly, because. I would imagine Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar, I'm sure they were friendly before. Then once it goes at it. Uh, did you ever see Vince trying to take people down backstage? I always hear that a lot. Um, not too much. I, I've seen horseplay. I know I walked into the hotel bar one time, and this is before everything got all corporate and shit. You know, Vince would hang down at the bar sometimes. And I walked in, and he chopped the shit out of me. You know, like, ow. And I, and I just go, woo, you know, and I was just, whatever. He goes, you ain't going to sell. And I was like, well, you got to lay it in, kid. And then, ha, 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 you know. Um, Goddamn cruiserweights. Yeah, but uh, I never saw, I saw Jerry, Jerry Briscoe would always go around and try to take down like Shelton and some of those guys because oh, Jerry was real big on that amateur scene. So he would always go and try to waist lock. And I would see Shelton and those guys try to waist lock Jerry to see what he would do, you know, to see uh, how he would react. But uh, nothing like ever mean or anything. I mean, I've heard stories about, Events on the plane that would tackle people and just mess with them, uh, but never like malicious. Man, I mean, I guess you know it might be in that bully vein of playfulness, but but not malicious. You know. Did you ever hear the story that Chris Jericho told about Kofi Kingston challenging Vince McMahon to a fight? No. Oh my gosh! I guess Vince had like disrespected Kofi on the plane, and Jericho had said something like, "You have to fight him." You have to at least attempt to fight him. And Kofi was like, what? But uh, apparently Kofi did it. And Vince McMahon thought thought a lot more of him after that. Because Vince said something like, maybe one day you'll get over. And Kofi took offense to it. Hmm. And uh, Jericho said that if, if you don't fight him, he's going to think less of you. Hmm. Would you have ever threatened to fight or tried to fight Vince McMahon? 
Um, I probably wouldn't have wanted to, but you know, like I said earlier, if I feel threatened or if I think shit's got to go down, then yeah, you know. I mean, I, I'm out too. Like I'm one of those guys. Like I, if I think it's going down, I'll be like, let's go ahead and get it over with. You know, yeah. let's go ahead and clear the air, and uh, and see what's what. So. Plus, I mean, at the urging of a veteran like Chris Jericho, I'm sure Kofi felt almost obliged to do it. Oh, one more thing on the Goldberg thing. Did that affect his perception backstage? Because that was like his first week or two in the company. <clears throat> no, I mean, like I said, because it wasn't one of those things where it would, they squared up and they teed off on each other for a couple minutes and somebody got knocked unconscious. It wasn't nothing like that, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think any perception – I mean, the boys might have been talking shit amongst each other, but I don't think that made anybody else want to line up and take on Goldberg or anything. Now, these really pick up during the brand split. Do you think the brand split maybe caused a little more of that? Maybe Vince wasn't around as much. Maybe, like, do you think that there it was just a coincidence or maybe Vince being spread a little bit more thin allowed the guys to, to go at each other a little more? I uh, just a little bit more free back in those days, you know. It wasn't uh, we weren't under the microscope that seems to be getting larger and larger as the days go by back then. So, do you remember the reaction to what happened with Kurt Angle and Daniel Pewter in the tough enough situation? Kurt had he was in bad shape. He was in rough physical shape, and he got in there with a guy who knew what he was doing. And fortunately, a ref got Pewter or saw Pewter's shoulders down and. They got out of the situation. But what, what was your thought when that went down and, and the decision to actually air it? I think it was one of those deals where, uh, you know, Pewter got a little fortuitous in that situation. I don't think anybody looked at it as anything more than that. You know, uh, it'd be as absurd to one guy's an Olympic gold medalist, you know. Uh, let's not bullshit about who was the better wrestler that day, so – and, and two, though, you know, I mean, if you're looking to wrestle and then somebody tries to hook you and there's a difference between, uh, you know, that's what the old school hookers would do. They would try to throw any submission shit on people that were just trying to be wrestlers and uh, perceived as tough guys. But half the time, the guy that was getting hooked didn't even, you know, know what was going on. And they were kind of like, uh, you know, uh, okay, I'll wrestle with you. And then the next thing you know, the guy's choking the shit out of him. So, yeah, uh, I don't think nobody ever looked down on Kurt because of that or thought anything more of it other than, you know, Pewter might have been taking advantage of a situation and you can't blame him for that, uh, trying to make a name for himself, but um, it wasn't going to hurt Kurt. There was an incident at One Night Stand 05, I think it was. JBL cracked a meanie during that, that confrontation. Now, I wouldn't call that necessarily a backstage fight, but there was a guy, Tracy Smothers, who was trying to fight JBL over it in the coming weeks. Is Tracy Smothers one of those guys that's considered unfuckwithable? Who are some of those guys that people looked at backstage? Like, don't want to test them. Um, I, I, the, the number one guy has always been mean, Haku. He's always been the guy not to fuck with. Uh, you know, but uh, as far as Tracy Smothers go, I mean – I'm kind of, I'm not one of those people that fucks with people anyway. So, you know, not really what, like trying to fight people. So uh, I never really gave a lot of thought to that, but you, you'd hear about certain people that uh, if push came to shove, you know, they would be the ones to light asses up. You know, Rick Steiner uh, was one of those, you know, Haku, like I said, was one of the main guys. Heard a couple of good stories here and there about the Barbarian. Um, you know, heard, heard about the Road Warriors Hawks specifically tearing up a bar and shit one time. Stuff like that. I mean, but these are just big human beings, you know. I mean, you got to, you know, take that shit into account. A lot of these guys have to go to bars and they got to deal with some asshole challenging the pro wrestler uh, because of the stigma that comes to being a pro wrestler. And then the next thing you know, the pro wrestler beats their ass. And uh, (laughs) they'll look at as the bad guy. So, Uh, and two, back in the, I mean, in in the generation that came just before me and to a degree in my early indie years, man, there was just, a lot of guys that had to prove themselves in the ring, you know, because there wasn't a lot of scripts. There wasn't no overseeing committee to keep an eye on things, you know, and things were good. It was a wild west out there in the ring sometimes. So uh, you had to be really tough to survive. So speaking of being it's a lot out. easier, it's a lot easier these days. You don't, 
you don't really hear about any of that. Uh, you know, people fighting in the ring and, and getting into a backstage. You you don't hear about hear about that a lot these days. It's just a different environment. Speaking of being called out, like out in public, there's a story of this, and you may have not heard about this, the story of a bodybuilder named Craig Titus. He was at a gym. He used to call out like Phil Baroni and all this stuff all the time. And apparently he was given one of the wrestlers grief at a gym. And Orlando Jordan stepped up and dropped him. Yeah. Just knocked his block off. That guy would later uh, go on with his wife to murder their assistant. So hmm. you, you just never know. But Orlando Jordan had no problem stepping up and dropping. So him. are you saying that's Orlando Jordan's fault? That's what you're saying yeah, to me? Maybe. That's or maybe it's I'm that dude. That. Maybe it's that dude's fault for having such a big dumbass mouth. And <laughs> yeah. maybe that emasculated him a little bit. Uh, I think Orlando has some kind of boxing skills, too. He so, did. I mean, I'm not surprised that he knocked him the fuck out. You know, he's not a small guy either. Bob Holly, Rene Dupree. I know this was on another brand uh, than you. Uh, Rene Dupree was not old enough to rent a car, which, you know, you're 19, you're in the WWE. That's got to be something to begin with, which he grew up in the business. He got a ticket in Bob Holly's car, and <laughs> Bob would get – he got it mailed to him because it was in his name. And, you know, you're on the road a lot. Tickets are hard to pay. Hey, they're hard to pay for me, and I'm at home every day. So I can't imagine Bob Holly doing this. Apparently, it was a big pain in the ass for Bob. He uh, had to go to court, had to do a lot of stuff that wasn't quite – he didn't want to do. And he made Rene Dupree pay at a house show. What, what do you got on this one? I think there was something, too, like Rene just didn't tell him. Yeah, and if Renee had told him, he might have could have jumped on the problem, and uh, something too about maybe it could have been a threat to Bob's license, and because Bob is still racing cars or in that industry, and just because you don't want to lose your license. I mean, if you travel on the road, it's kind of crucial to have a damn driver's license. So, um, something like that, and uh, uh, I know Bob got got him in the in the ring, and Bob was about half ass stiff anyway, even if he liked you. Um, so he got him in the ring, and uh. I beat his ass and beat him all the way back to the locker room, like all the way through the curtain. And uh, I heard that he was just got him on the ground, was just like putting the boots to him, like he's in the match, you know. But they're in the damn backstage, back uh, curtained off area. So, uh, you know, I don't know how if he was just mad and, you know, was just taking it out on him and, and let it get too far. But uh, he was definitely pissed off about something and felt he had to express it. <laughs> Bob Holly had a reputation as a bully, and it's really divided, to be honest with you. Like, there are a lot of people that think he is, a lot of people that are like, no, just don't fuck with Bob and be respectful. Uh, my experiences with Bob have always been pretty nice, and, you know, it's what, what did you think of him? I think it's a, a, little, a little bit of this, a little bit of that on that one, you know. Uh, I think he could be a bully if he wanted to be, but. And I think he would be if he felt disrespected. And sometimes that disrespect might be open to interpretation, like maybe somebody didn't mean to do it. Like I'm not saying Rene Dupree meant to not tell him about the ticket, or maybe he just forgot. Who knows, who knows what that real story was? I, I'd have never talked to Rene about it. But, um, I mean, Bob definitely has the tools to be a bully, and he's got a dark sense of humor too, you know. But I got that same sense of humor, and I always got along with Bob. So uh, I never had any of it directed toward me, which I'm uh, thankful for. But I don't go around being disrespectful to, uh, you know, guys that came before me either. So, Also, the Falcon Arrow is one of the most underrated finishes of all time, in my opinion. I love that move. There was a situation with Booker T and Batista. Oh, man. You were on Raw at the time, but did you hear about this? Was that a commercial shoot? Yeah, it was a commercial shoot for SummerSlam. And I was out there, and I, uh, Matt was at – Matt Hardy was at the shoot, and uh, – I like took the car to go work out or something because we were traveling together. I wasn't on the shoot, but I was there and I went back to pick him up. And uh, Matt was like, Hey, can you come in here and help me with my bags? And I remember looking at my phone going, This motherfucker need help with his bags for. You know? <laughs> you know what I mean? And I was like, Man, bring your ass on. He's like, No, man, seriously, I need help. I was like, man, what the fuck? And so I go in there and I'm just, and there's fucking blood everywhere. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what man. the fuck happened here? Like, I mean, not a super amount of blood, but it was like, there was blood where there shouldn't be blood. So, you know, I was like, what the fuck happened? And then uh, uh, that, that too, I think it was real quick. It wasn't one of those ones that went a lot of places, but uh, Booker T had his jewelry on. So, 
you know, that, that was to his advantage. And, and Booker's bad, man. He's, he's just two big dudes. Uh, I mean, it probably could have went either way, depending on something. But apparently in this particular incident, uh, it seemed like Booker uh, Booker got the nod. Yeah, that, that's that's the word on the streets. Apparently, Ray had tried to talk Batista out of it too, and Batista wanted more. To his credit, is is the consensus that that I've gotten. Uh, Batista apparently grabbed Booker by the hair, threw some knees. Booker blocked him. There were also reports that, that Molina and Charmel had some issues, and that even Molina was sent to wrestlers' court at one point. Um, were yeah. you ever taken to wrestlers' court before we? No, no hell no, never. Did you hear about Molina being sent there? Yeah, I want to think I was there. She might have went a couple of times. I was there for one, and it was like uh, it was just too – like I like the wrestlers court when they're kind of in jest, you know, and like there might be a reason for it, but it's not real serious. But there was some kind of real serious shit with that one. And like I think she was in there crying and shit, and I was just like, man, I don't want to be oh, in here man. for this. Uh, so I don't even remember what happened to it. I think that uh, it was like after a night – it was. It was something too. I remember I had fallen asleep during the damn thing because I just had zero interest in being there, and I kind of missed some of what what it was about. But I'm not a fan of those uh, wrestlers court when it's like this real serious issue because um, sometimes it shouldn't be a serious issue, but guys take it too far. But then there are sometimes like we had a real good one in, in TNA uh, about Grado, but oh, and it was because I saved his life from a certain situation. But we're sworn sworn in secrecy on the details. Mm-hmm. But it was the funniest wrestler's court of all time. And, um, you know, you can do stuff like that and, ha- and have a good time with it. But And, and two, and sometimes there are guys that need to be, be talking to, you know, because certain guys are trying to help them out and they're not listening, and girls too. And it's creating a hostile environment in the locker room. So they have wrestler's court. And it, it can be beneficial, but at the same time, uh, it's very easy for them to go too far. You want to talk about a hell of an angle for a Total Divas. You get – you get somebody to let a camera in the locker room for a wrestler's court. I'll watch Total Divas one night. I will, if that's on there, because that's and you know, it's it's either entertaining or horrifying the, the stories that yeah. do get out, and and like you said, a lot of the stories don't get out. And because I'm friends with just about everybody, I mean, there's very few people that I dislike or dislike me. You know, if it's my friend up there and they're getting, you know, like Melina was my friend. I don't want to see nobody upset going through some shit like that. So. You know, that's, I don't enjoy that. Speaking of crying, do you remember Tank Toland or Chadwick's? Yeah, the uh, the Dicks. The Dicks. The Dicks, yeah. <laughs> what a name. JBL had apparently hazed them, quote unquote. <coughs> and Chad had accidentally locked everybody in the locker room. Everybody laughed it off, but he thought that he was in some shit and cried to his tag team partner. Like, they were going to, I guess, take him to wrestler's court, but they thought that he punished himself enough racking his brain about what was happening. Now, this is all just reports. Apparently, Chad threw, like, a a joking work punch at Tank. Then Tank punched him in the balls, then the face. Then they got fired. (laughs) Yeah, there was a – I think that was kind of like along the lines of what I heard. I hadn't even thought about that one in a while. So you need to prep me on this shit, and maybe I can try to uh, put some thought into it and see what I can remember. I remember some shit like that, and I remember the Chadwick's guy was always smiling, and I remember thinking I would like to see him mad just to see what happens because he's one of those people that smiles all the time, so he's either happy or he's a serial killer, and there's no in-between. It's one of those things. Uh, but I, I would have liked to see that fight, you know, just just because because uh, I'm a bad person. <laughs> there were a few on SmackDown that weren't like real fights that I wanted to bring up. Uh, apparently, Eddie and Angle had some bad matches. I would I would have loved for my best match to be anywhere near their bad matches, but I guess they got frustrated with each other, and it boiled <laughs> over. And Eddie shot a single leg, <laughs> which Kurt Angle shrugged off. Afterwards, somebody said, why did you do that? And Eddie goes, because I'm stupid. <laughs> you know, I did hear something, and I want to say that maybe Chavo and maybe Charlie Haas were there too, and they were kind of – it might have almost could have escalated, but it didn't. But I can't remember the exact details. There was, I have there to was another one where Eddie got pissy with Charlie Haas because he felt like he had hurt his elbow – and he felt like Charlie didn't get the message and wasn't taking care of him. 
that's another guy, legitimate amateur background. Then we hear Chavo goes after Big Show eventually, calls him fat and lazy, but Big Show kept his cool. Uh, what does that say about these Guerreros not giving a single fuck on this earth? I mean, when you're a smaller guy, you have to be that way in the business. It's, it's strange that all the, the big guys have all the credit for being so tough, but anybody on the inside knows it's generally the smaller guys that have went through the most shit that have had to survive the most fights and have to deal with the big man uh, mentality that's existed for so long. Probably not the case anymore. It doesn't seem to be. But I know uh, that was definitely you know, so me, me and Chavo are from the same cloth when it comes to that. You know, um, That's just how you got to be. I mean, it's definitely how you had to survive back then. I don't think you have to be like that now. So good, good for the, the new guys that they don't have to go through that shit. I don't want nobody to have to go through what I went through in the Indies. So – I'm glad it's easier. A lot of a lot of the older vets, they always like to talk about how tough it was, and you know. But I, I'm genuinely glad that today's guys on the Indies don't have to go through what I went through. Do you think that's changed? Like even just in the past ten years? Oh yeah, without a doubt. I was. I remember I interviewed you for that Muhammad Hassan piece, and there was something interesting that I was told by two people that were in WWE now. They said, had he come along six or seven years later. He would have been really big and probably would have had a long run. But a lot of things, he came along at the wrong time for who he was. So I, it, that speaks to a lot of me. Do you, do you think it's changed for the better, for the worse? Do you think it, it makes people softer, uh, tougher? Do you think they, they need that? Like, how do you think it's affected the business? I mean, I don't know. You know, it's like there's people that talk about how they used to have to walk to school both ways up through nine feet of snow. Fifteen miles in the snow. Like, isn't life better not having to do that? Yeah. You know, so. The grandpa um, in Rugrats. Remember him? Yeah, I got to think the environment's a little better. You know, that uh, you don't have to fight and claw and, and all that kind of crazy shit. But, uh, I mean, some of the guys might not be as tough. But, you know, life was tougher back then. Life is supposed to get easier, so. Um, who knows? I guess that's argumentative, but uh, I'm definitely not going to say it's better, but the environment's better. You know, it, it don't make the guys that any tougher, but I think the environment's better, and that's a good thing. Like I said, I, I'm glad that today's young guys don't have to go through the bullshit I went through. You know, we have just a couple more Seamus versus Yoshi Tatsu. Now, I don't know how much you would have heard about this. It happened, I guess, in developmental. Ted DiBiase Jr. was there. Now, Conan tells a version of this story where Yoshitatsu uh, was owed money by Sheamus. Uh, another story is that Ted DiBiase and Yoshitatsu were kind of pissy because Sheamus never cleaned their protein shakers. <laughs> and Sheamus, I guess, like, shot one back at him, like a zinger back, and Yoshitatsu tuned him up pretty pretty well. Now, this is <laughs> there is an interesting twist to this story. Because there, there were tweets, you know, Seamus versus Conor McGregor, the Irishman. And uh, Yoshitatsu responded to a story about that and just said, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, very good. Good for Yoshi. Um, that, that's exactly what I heard, too. I didn't, and I didn't uh, try to find out a lot about it. But uh, that's exactly what I heard, that uh, there was some money owed and words were exchanged and then – uh, Yoshi Tatsu apparently had a good one-two combo, uh, and uh, that was pretty he much it. He threw some mean kicks in the ring. Like, he threw some nice kicks. Yeah, yeah. Now our main event. Well, actually, no, not our not our main event, because i got to save the Jericho thing. You and Jericho. The co-main event, Joey Styles and JBL. <laughs> Now, hey, JBL, your, your video's frozen up, by the way. Is mine okay? Yeah, hell, they don't, they don't need to see me. I'm okay. Good. Uh, yeah, the thing about the JBL one, I heard he was just drunk as shit on a plane, uh, messing with people as Joey would, uh, I mean, as JBL was like to do. Um, and, I mean, J JBL can be a bully, but it's like, I mean, it is bullying, but it's not mean most of the time. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes it's just him being funny, but. No, no soaping ass in the showers or. Uh, I don't know. I guess some of the stories are pretty fucking crazy. So, I mean, he can be a bully, no doubt. And I'm, I don't even know why I tried to defend that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's my buddy. He never shit. bullied me. You know, that's my thing. He never yeah. bullied me. So I had to deal with it. So uh, uh, I guess I'm being insensitive. And uh, he could very well be a bully. 
But too, like on these some of these plane trips and bus rides, and uh, you know, when you when you when you're the sober one and everybody else is just yelling and screaming and you want to sleep, those make for some long trips. Uh, and I'm generally one of the ones yelling and screaming in the back. So, uh, but uh, apparently that's what it was. Joy was just you know uh, uh, the sober one to chill, and JBL started being um, obnoxious to him and, and rude or whatever, and Joy. Uh, put the hammer down and that was it one shot and I remember getting a TV and somebody uh fit family was talking about it and uh just what happened I want to say it was fit it might have been regal I don't know but it was saying I was like Joey like you know I, I just couldn't put it together like, Joey Styles like yeah I was like, wow and uh and too uh you know uh, not to knock not to crack on JBL I think he was a couple drinks from going down anyway Joey just uh made sure that last shot wasn't the liquid version Hey, it's it's like what Ben Henderson always said. He goes, "I don't care if my opponent slips on a banana peel and ends the yeah. fight." It ends hey, the fight. There ain't no rule book in fighting. Not in a street fight. Ain't no rule book. So, did JBL is to not you, lose? Do you think he had that coming? Oh shit, we all got it coming, kid. It's true. That's true. He probably um, earned that one. You know, it sounded sound like he did. So, um. Uh, the former Nova, Simon Dean, Mike Bucci, uh, had told a story. I guess Vince McMahon had tri- uh, texted Triple H and said, you're not going to believe what happened. And I guess uh, rumor has it that Triple H read it at a, read the text out loud at a house show, and the people were in shock. Is there any truth to that? Is this about the, uh, the Joy Styles JBL? Yes. Oh, I don't know. I can't either confirm nor deny, but I, I never heard that. What you can confirm or deny is why you and Chris Jericho were a menace to my state of Kentucky. What happened? What happened? Alcohol. What happened? Alcohol. That's why I don't that's, drink. That's the, the, that's the short and long of it. Uh, we, we've been out a hundred times, you know, 150 times, always getting into some shit. And, uh, you know, both three shits to the, three shits, three shits to the wind, kid. Three sheets to the wind. I probably was a little bit more. I was on a mission that night to drink. I don't even remember why, but some shit was going on. And uh, we were in the cab, and I remember him poking me in the face, just kind of fucking with me. And uh, and I'm I'm kind of touchy anyway, and I just got real touchy at that point. And uh, and then and then we're both going back and forth. And no, uh, nothing really major. But the cab driver was the one that called the cops. He got really afraid, <laughs> so he ran out and called the cops. And, like, I remember the report being that I ran away, which I wasn't in no condition to run no fucking way. I staggered away, but it was because the fight was over. Like, shit, I'm going home. Like, I, I was, like I said, I was out of my mind drunk. Uh, and I remember walking down the damn street going, where the fuck am I at? <laughs> I don't know where I'm at. And then, like like I said earlier, like, I always regret the fights. And I remember thinking about it. I go, I need to go check on Chris. And that's why I went back. I went back to check on my buddy. Um. And Chris, and like, too, when the cops showed up, he was just in a store, like, getting something. They came and asked him some details, and he was trying to protect me by saying uh, it was some other guy or some bullshit. So if we didn't like each other, we probably wouldn't have got arrested at all because he would have said whatever. I would have been gone and never came back. But it was because we were buddies that we ended up getting. The cops came, and I remember the cops saw me, and I remember him going, get your big ass on the ground. And this is this is this is how egotistical pro wrestlers are. I was like, big, like, hell yeah, I've been working out, kid. <laughs> but here's you what all I needed, did. I you got all my needed a Randy Savage. You all needed a Randy Savage there, like he did with Janetti and Michaels, to be like, it's just an angle. It's just an <clears> angle. <throat> yeah, we needed something, but they knew. But uh, I remember too, like we were sitting. They took us downtown, and I don't remember rights ever being read or anything, nothing like that. We're we're not behind bars or any shit like that. You were three shits to the wind, though. Three shits to the wind, but you know, I mean, it's kind of sobering when the cops come. So you know, I was more, I was clear headed by this point, and we're sitting in there, and uh, and Jericho, he's like, man, what, you know, asking me what the fuck. I said, well, why are you touching me anyway? We're still kind of going back and forth with that, but also we're kind of worried about what's going on. And I remember going, are we arrested? And he goes, <laughs> I don't know. So we we still weren't sure because these cops were coming over taking pictures with us. So we were sitting there like, hey, you know, hurricane pose and signing shit. And then they asked us to take that special picture over there by the wall. Oh, we're boy. like, oh, shit. The one that gets you on TMZ. 
Yeah, we never like got put behind bars or anything. I've actually never ever been behind bars. None of my little skirmishes ever uh, got me uh, got me into the cell. But um, so yeah, and I I think we had to pay like a twenty dollar fee or some shit like that. But that's all it was. What was the, CM Punk and Christian were the ones that came and got us? I remember hearing that. What was the uh, reaction from the front office? I mean, you were gone a month later. Did that have anything to do with it? Oh yeah, I mean, I was gone because um. Well, I mean, I'd already asked uh, for time off after my uh, – I was on the ECW show and wasn't very thrilled with that with that position. But, yeah, that definitely played a part into it. You know, I mean, it's a uh, it's a corporate gig there now, and you can't be having any guys out there getting a fight with each other and calves and shit like that. So, I mean, that definitely played a part into it. But it was very mutual. You know, I, that was 10 years. So it wasn't a phone call. I was shocked or even really upset about getting – you all. I mean, there are much better state. ways to end your career. Now, let's not, not sure. gloss over that. I mean, in your career there, but you know, I mean, I stayed I on great terms with them, and they were, they appreciated my honesty about the whole thing, and I wasn't going to bullshit. You know, it was just hey, we were drunk. He's my buddy. You know, we got in a fight. What? That's you, it. You've done some network stuff since then, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. I've done several uh, things for the network for them. You know, I've stayed in touch with quite a few people up there. So there you go. Lots of slug fest backstage. Next week, we're talking the end of WCW. I was kind of hoping that got voted in this week because I, I had done all my research, all my prep. Well, and that, I think I'll send you my notes. I think I'll send you my notes this time. Oh, right, send me some notes. I'll see if I agree with that shit. I, I mean, they're just notes. You can disagree with that shit. That's part of this. You're, you're shooting some of this shit down. Any of these fights you would like to see a, a rematch present day of? The Chadwick's Tank Bowling, that one, I think. <laughs> Just because I never With saw tears. that. No, nah, like, especially if they involve my friends fighting each other. I, I never, you know, I never like that shit. And I never like, uh, like I said, anytime I'm in a fight, even if it's a win where I do something cool, I'm always regretful about it. You know, uh, in this day and age, you shouldn't be a grown adult getting in damn fist fights, but. You shouldn't be calling anybody's mother's goofs either. Hey, man, mom's your mom was a goof. Uh, hey. But no, nah, there's none of that shit I want to see. So you're, you're home now. You, you've been through that that arduous schedule. I don't want to say travel schedule. You didn't travel a whole lot. You traveled back and forth to Orlando, but you were working all the damn time. We couldn't even do a show last week. Um, when do you go back? March? Yeah, uh uh, I believe the first week in March is the, is the next Orlando tapings. You want to spill all the beans about what happened backstage, all that cool stuff? Just give us all the seek. The uh, nothing really happened. You know, uh, the only big difference, uh, Dixie Carter wasn't there. You know, she's on the is out. Uh, and Jeff Jarrett and Dutch Mantel were. That was the big difference. Uh, you know, uh, sitting back, you know, they offered advice on certain things. And, it, uh, I mean, there are two – Two guys that have a lot of years in the business between them. So it was interesting to talk with Dutch. You know, uh, I've always heard great stories about him, but I never really got to spend a lot of time talking to him. So uh, we spent a couple of car rides together, and uh, he's, a, <laughs> he's a very unique individual, a lot of funny anecdotes and stuff like that. And, I, I mean, I've been a friend of Jeff for, for quite a while, so I like, the, I like some of his ideas, and or I like a lot of his ideas. And we'll just see where it goes, you know. Um, you know, finally, the company seems like there's some good structure going on and, uh, you know, a, a more business-minded uh, acumen uh, uh, to look forward to. Uh, and I, I know I think the talent's there. I think the roster's good. You know, of course, we're always looking for people. I think that's always the case. You know, never, ever be satisfied with, with what you got. You know, I think the uh, I think there's always room for people in creative. There's always room for new ideas. Uh, the agents, you know, we, we seem to handle everything uh, pretty good. So, uh but but who knows? You know, um, Jeff might want to bring in some of his friends. Uh, Dutch might want to bring in some of his friends. We we don't know, but I know the product what we put out on TV. You know, the in ring stuff and the stories uh, that that's still going good, still going strong. So uh, I'm having a good time. So thumbs up. I mean, I'm excited for for some of the changes. I am also. Don West is back, and I couldn't be happier. I love I that. I found guy. out from you. I didn't even know he was back till you sent me that text. You know, a lot of people find out things about TNA from me. I actually had somebody that texted me about that. But Don West, did you did you ever watch Bound for Glory 05 when Jeff jumped off that set? Uh, he did the swanton on somebody. I'll send you a link. Don West's call of that was one of my favorite of all time. Also, okay. 
back here where this chalkboard is now, uh-huh. next week I will have a Jeff Jarrett laser engraved guitar mounted because Don yes. West had them up for sale for thirty dollars. Yes, thirty dollars, and now they're and up you to earned one- it, kid. Hey, now they're up to one fifty. I got to steal you a deal. It. You all got to check that stuff out. Treat yourself. Hey, you know, if you can find a playable guitar for $30, you better buy it, even if it has Jeff Jarrett's ugly-ass head on it. (laughs) There you go. You know, I should have known that Jeff and Don were both on the way back to TNA because I did a story about how many of those TNA had left, and I reached out to both of them, and for the first time ever, neither one of them were willing to talk about it. Ah. So I should have known they were on their way back to the company because Jeff – is never hesitant to self-promote. Mm-hmm. And Don West is just never hesitant to promote anything. He is the master. So very excited for that. Uh, so Dixie, she wasn't there at all. No, not at all. Damn. Did y'all party? Did we party? Uh, we had one day where there were no matches. Like that was on a that was on a Monday. So Sunday night, I think the guys went out and had a good time. And that last that last night, and this was the <laughs> The first time that this has happened since I've been there, we did a wedding scene. And this, if it comes off at all on TV, like it came off in person, it's the best wedding, wrestling wedding ever. And the people are laughing, having a good time. Then after the cameras start rolling, some of the guys went out and they're dancing in the crowd. And the locker room wouldn't leave. Like the boys, like we done done all of these days and all of these matches and all of these segments. And normally that last segment, we're ready Let's get this last segment done and get the hell out of here. But everybody just stayed around. And everybody just kind of stayed and joking. And, like, nobody wanted it to end, even after all that we'd done that week. So that was a very telling moment for me. You know, very, a lot of positive energy. You know, morale's good. You know, I don't want to beat that dead horse to death. But uh, that's the best time to beat a horse, I think, is when he's dead, now that I think about it. But I mean, are you going to get kicked like Terry Funk did? It, one or the other. So, uh Man, it, it was just a really good vibe, and you know, I want to see that energy continue. Uh, competition, you know, it's always good to have other options and alternatives out there. You know, I've said a million times, I'm a wrestling fan. I don't care what three letters come before wrestling. You know, so uh, if it's good, I'll watch it. Uh, that being said, the best thing, the best match I've seen in a while uh, is Okada and Omega. That shit was awesome. Loved it. Um, yeah, any I don't know how anybody could say anything bad about that match. It was it was really good. Uh, and that's a very interesting story. You had Omega, who was in WWE developmental for a hiccup. You had Okada, who was in TNA, and they just—he uh, wasn't quite Okada then, and in the same aspect. Yeah, you know? I, I so, always used to hear people like, "Yeah, you can give Vince Russo a lot of shit," <laughs> but they're like, "He didn't use Okada right." And I'm like, "Who the fuck would have used Okada right at that point? Who would have? Who could have known what he would become?" I'm pretty sure I still wouldn't have used him like that. Well, not like but, that. True, you didn't know it would become. But same thing, you know, WCW didn't use Mark Calloway right. I mean, nobody knew he, who how good he was going to be as the Undertaker. So you can say that back and forth. That that happens uh, with a lot of companies that, for whatever reason, it doesn't fit in one place. And that, not failure per se, but you know, lack of uh, of what the talent wanted out of the company actually pushes them and drives them to do even bigger and better things. I mean, look at, I mean, Austin and WCW was still, you know, tag team champ, TV champ, U.S. champ. They did things with him. It wasn't like they didn't, but was it what, what he wasn't at Stone Cold? Hell no, not even close, yeah. you know. So, uh, uh, and, and like I said, Undertaker's another good example. The Young Bucks, you know, you look at what they've done because things didn't go their way in other companies, uh, TNA being the, the main one. So, and, I mean, they went and tried to do stuff with WWE, and it just didn't work out. But look at them now, man, one of the hottest acts in the game. So um, sometimes it just don't work out, and that's not necessarily the company's fault all the time. It's timing sure. is everything in this business. Timing is everything. Well, guys, you can get your TNA Impact coverage at Fightful.com. We got live coverage and discussion every single Thursday night. Come over there, talk some trash during the show. Uh, we welcome everybody. Of course, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Lucha Underground. Cover all your UFC events. Follow at Fightful Wrestle. That's just wrestling. Follow at Fightful MMA for just MMA. Fightful Online for both of them. Follow Shane at ShaneHelms.com. And that's universal. Cross-platform, Instagram, Tumblr, Facebook, at ShaneHelms.com. I make it easy for you. 
Register at Fightful.com, guys. Maybe you're watching this a few days after we release it. If you want early access, register at Fightful.com. Uh, go back. We're going to republish the uh, Royal Rumble podcast we did. Uh, Shane talking about his Rumble experiences. That was a lot of fun. We're going to have more Royal Rumble features than any other site on the web. Shane, anything? Hey, before you go, publicly, give me your pick. Chel Sonnen, Tino Ortiz. Ooh. Steve. Let's see if you can catch up because I'm drowning you on Steve. these picks. Here, here's what's tough. Ch- uh, Chael hasn't fought in like three or four years. Tito, I thought, did pretty good against Liam McGeary for the, the little while they were in there. I think Chael's going to do it, though. I think it is tough. I hope Chael's not distracted by his apprenticeship that he's doing on that show. Oh, he filmed, he filmed um, that months ago. He filmed that like a year ago. But he's still doing like a promotion and stuff yeah. for it, right? Sure. I mean, that's what I'm talking about. So I hope he's not distracted too much with that. I think, uh, I mean, I think Chell has all the tools. Tito's saying it's going to be his last fight. Anytime somebody says that, I kind of lose stock in what they're saying. So yeah, uh, I'm going for I'm going for Chell, but it's also kind of a heartbeat just because I love the way he talks shit. So uh, he's definitely murdering Tito in the talk game. <laughs> Tito used to be the one too. He used to be he used to be the the shit talker extraordinaire, but. Uh, not even close to being as good as Chell is. And also, too, I, I did this pick a couple of weeks ago. I had the Falcons and the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Ooh. I'm still on task for that. Uh, so, is that you got any Super Bowl predictions? I think that's the way it's going to go. I think it'll be Patriots, Falcons. Uh, I didn't pick it several now, weeks would you, ago. You have, said that, would you have said that before this weekend? No, absolutely not. Bam. So, God, I love playoff football. I just love football. I can't. I, there was a point where I didn't like it. I don't know what the hell I was doing with my life. But it's probably when I was beating your ass in fantasy football left and right. That first season. Oh yeah, I didn't even like football back then. It, it took cool. finally beating you at fantasy football to uh, get me motivated. Plus, the Bengals didn't suck starting like five years ago. Now they do again. Either way, guys, fightful.com, place to be. We're out. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.